0: hey everybody welcome to max effort kitchen podcast we have a pretty awesome uh, interview lined up here today so uh, sit back relax and enjoy the show All right, welcome to Max Effort Kitchen. I'm your host, Chef Matt, and uh, I'm really excited. I'm joined with just uh, an amazing dude all around, uh, a good friend, a huge influence in the world of weightlifting, uh, and I'm not even going to go over your resume right now, but Mr. Joe Beck, thank you, thank you, thank you for showing up and being here, and welcome.
1: Oh, Thanks, man. I'm blessed. Good thing people can't see me blushing.
0: <laughs> well, you're about to blush even more. I like to um, take people's names and just throw them into the computer and see what pops up. And, man, I got two pages of a resume here from you that is just um, mind-blowing. And, you know, normally people, like I hear people say how impressed they are. I'm not impressed. I'm, I'm just influenced. And so I'm going to go down this list. First of all, uh, founder of uh, Metaphysical Metaphysical Fitness, you're a licensed chemical dependency counselor, which we're going to touch on that, USA Army, studied at PSU, just recently IWF Cat 2 technical official, which my mind blew right there, Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Heroic Barbell Club, uh, Special Olympics coach, WSO representative, USAW national coach and instructor you've developed multiple athletes on world teams national uh, level one, like, one
1: world team one
0: world team but youth nationals i mean you, you got a mountain of gold medals under you uh, a wizard in the kitchen and it's just pretty amazing to see like how um, do you, how do you do all that
1: <laughs> uh i i mean it's, it's been a long time. So uh, touching on the chemical dependency stuff. Yeah. Uh, I had a you know um, rough time coming out of the service. And, and back to the service. I had a rough time coming out of the service.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: I had a um, decent drug problem when I went into the service the second time. So I was in in 89 to
2: 91.
1: Okay. I got out. Uh, I started smoking some weed in the... German barracks. Yep. And then when I got out, I started doing more acid. And then I went back in with a decent, like, couldn't really quit smoking weed to pass piss tests kind of thing. Uh, so that's kind of a drug problem as far as the Army is concerned. And got worse, I started doing more drugs. Eventually got booted out because I couldn't pass piss tests.
2: Right. Um, right.
1: And then uh, landed in Oregon and developed a pretty serious drug problem. Yeah. So without going into depth on that stuff, cause it's kind of boring. Um, <laughs> uh, I got out of, when I got out of drugs, I went to a, uh, went to a program called the volunteers of America men's residential center. I got arrested, went to jail, right. Right. Did some time in the, uh, inpatient drug program or yeah, in custody drug program in jail, got out to an out of custody drug program at VOA, uh, never graduated, uh, but I've somewhere in there found a spark of what people call recovery. Yeah. As a, it, you know, I'm a recovering addict means a very specific thing in the, particularly in the uh, uh, counseling community. Correct. So I don't quote identify as one of those <laughs> as, right. as that anymore. Right. Uh, I call, I, I would, when I couch it to clients would say, I'm a, <laughs> I had my own experience, my own drug problem, and I figured, I don't know. <laughs> figured it out. It at yeah. the time, but, you know, I have my own story. This isn't about me. If you want to hear about it, come find me after class. And no <laughs> one coming
2: to find me. Right. Because,
1: like, not anyway. any So I don't identify as a recovering person because I found peace with uh, cannabis and uh, alcohol. Right. Where lots of addicts can't. They're just as bad on all of them. So... Yeah. Uh, the the curl of that going back to how I do it all is like when your life's all chaos and then you put some order to it, I don't know, things become easier.
0: I mean, I can, I can speak to that myself. I mean, I didn't have quite, uh, I don't think I had quite that journey, but I did have a journey of, you know, drug addiction coming out of college football, um, getting too deep into the drug world and being pulled out uh, at, you know, by my father and, you know, you know, lack of better terms, slapping some sense into me. Um, I didn't go to any counseling. I didn't go to any programs. Um, I was just able to, um, isolate myself and and get myself off. And, and a lot of people look at me like, yeah, that's not a drug problem. But for me, it was creating problems in my life so that I considered that a drug problem. Um, yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah, I mean, the the clinical definition, or at least it was when I, it's changed since I stopped practicing full time, but uh, the clinical definition was basically use beyond intent. Are you using more than you want to? Do you yeah. go out and have, try to have two drinks and have 70, or uh, use despite negative consequences? Right. Are you using and having negative effects and still using anyway? Correct. Forget to pick up your kids from school forget to, you know, get fired from jobs, all those kind
0: of things. Right. And I think that, um, you, you summed that up really well as far as talking about how living life in chaotic states, um, this is horrible to say, but in a way it kind of, it sets you up for being successful in doing positive things.
1: I, yeah, I guess that, that is what I said. Yeah. Yeah, it does.
0: It really does. And I, I can, I can really speak to that because I'm, I'm the type of person that people will look at me and be like, and I asked you that question very specifically because I get that question a lot where it's like, how do you do all this? And I'm just, my, all my answer is just like, I just do what I love to do. Um, but oh, yeah, that's, that's what I forgot to say. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, we're, just, we're just that. doing I, what I we so love fortunate. to do. It, yeah. And, and it's, it's like people are like, Oh, okay, here we go with this philosophical stuff, but that's all it is doing what I love to do. And then I move forward. Um, yeah, you know, I actually heard about you. I worked with um a chef uh JJ Harris and it was a oh, long JJ. Yeah, it was a long time ago. you knew him? Yeah, I worked with him when he was uh with Lovejoy and he oh, uh, him and I were, you know, we we became pretty good friends and and he actually said to me, "I have a buddy that is at that CrossFit gym over by our office." Um, that is actually, he developed a program for, um, people who are coming out of addiction. So I was was hoping you'd talk about that a little bit.
1: Oh yeah. So that's when you brought up metaphysical fitness. So, all right. So I have drug problem. Go, uh, get clean dish.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Uh, (laughs)
1: and my life starts to come together. Uh, I do all kinds of stupid odd jobs, sell cars during the, um, stock market crash of what was that 92 or whatever that was not 92 um Uh, oh yeah oh
0: wait oh wait we're
1: oh
2: wait wait. yeah Yeah,
1: there you go sold sold cars sold other stupid things then door-to-door sales uh tried to get out of being a warehouse guy worked in a glass factory a bunch um a couple different glass factories in portland yeah making colored art glass all kinds of like industrial back-breaking things not fun punching clocks right uh Lots of, lots of time being unemployed, too. Well, my awesome way it's drove the bus. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was one of my army buddies. Uh, I'd been mostly clean from heroin or totally clean for heroin for, I don't know, years at this point. I don't, uh, three or four or five years. Okay. Uh, needed to get clean. We let him live on our couch. I talked him, you know, out of uh, back up from the depths of, uh, person on heroin. It was rewarding, and I had a criminal record at the time, had no um, had no real job prospects, so going back to school for the one career where ha- can have a criminal record and no one cares almost helps you in some cases was substance abuse counseling. So I went back to school, got a degree in that. That's when I found fitness again. I was still a smoker when I started college, not very into fitness at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was in college, I quit smoking, put on weight, did army PT found CrossFit? Blah blah blah. Right. That one's that one's a tried and true story of how people found CrossFit and yep. then found weightlifting or whatever. Yep. Uh, when I was doing it, I noticed that, and this has become actually lots of people recognize this that feeling in CrossFit of uh, total exhaustion and elation, joy at the end of workouts that crush you to the point or empty that glycolytic tank to the point where you're like laying on the floor.
2: Yeah.
1: For me, I recognize that as almost the exact same physiological response you're trying to get from uh, using drugs, like using hard drugs. You get this this, uh, rush of nausea that's pleasurable. You get this endorphin rush, uh, sweat, you're hyperventilating, you know, like, yeah, Physiologically, it's the same thing. Every time I used drugs, it was like shame and guilt that came right after that. Like, oh, you're a terrible person. <laughs> what, what are you doing? Yep, yep. Terrible, terrible person. And that's, you know, your inner brain telling you that. Uh, at any rate, with CrossFit and with fitness, it feels good. I found that same feeling doesn't have to be at the end of some ridiculously long or terribly torturous workout. It can come at, this, it can come at the end of a set of five rep squats, too. Yep. But so when I was in college going to, uh, become a counselor, I was like, man, this is the way to do it is to meld these two things. So, uh, I worked in the field for a little bit. It professionalized, meaning that instead of having just a, a job security with an associate's degree, you had to have a better and better degree, mostly master's degrees. People were getting hired into good positions and even those people aren't making that much money. Right. So I needed to be a better coach, so I went back to school for exercise science, and then really just fell in love with coaching more than counseling. So I still have passion for that
2: mm-hmm.
1: project, but nothing really comes of it out of the fe- uh, other than you know being willing to work. Uh, uh, well,
2: That's-
1: I had a I had a program with the women's version of the Men's Treatment Center that I went to, oh, cool.
2: uh,
1: where they would come to that gym. CrossFit PE yeah. in Southern Portland where I used to work and cut my teeth and where everything was born. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, where the old owner and I used to just, well, she would give me that time the, that treatment center used to pay me a decent rate to coach these girls and they would come for like an eight week thing.
2: Yeah,
1: It was super, it was super fun, super rewarding. One of my old lifters, I helped her get her start in coaching by pulling her in to help me coach these girls. And she did like, it was awesome. Her name is Chelsea, like her ability to connect with them instantly and make for them to see another strong woman was really great. Yeah, uh, that was super fun and rewarding. COVID killed that, of course. Yes, it did.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, COVID killed a lot of things. But wh- what I really want to focus on on that was the fact that like, you know, you were actually taking um, something like drug addiction um, counseling. And relating it to fitness into a positive direction, and you you're, you hit it right on the head. Those two things are exactly the same. Because I don't know, well, you know, maybe I, maybe I'm just uh, a little skewed because I, I think that coaches are um, also our counselors, <laughs> our you know oh, our yeah. parents, all of the above. <laughs> so not only are you um, well versed in that, you, I mean, you, it just makes you stronger as a coach and as a person when that is leading other people through this extremely hard stuff <laughs> life. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. I always, I mean, uh, one thing, one thing that I picked up in the last, it's almost two years now is, uh, journaling practice.
2: You mm-hmm. write about what you're
1: grateful for in the morning, yep. um, among other things. Uh, yeah. And I'm always grateful for like the whole picture of what led me to hear, uh, I think it makes me more the counseling piece. Uh, do a lot of my a lot of my money comes from personal training. And just being that if that's not being a if that's not being a counselor, I don't know what is.
2: Yeah, I know. Right, one of my
1: clients just <laughs> one of my clients yesterday just gave me a t shirt that said uh, with the barbell and then therapist under it.
0: <laughs> that's perfect. That's perfect. <laughs> that's great. Well, you know, I mean. And again, and I'm just going to keep on going back to this. You're doing what you love. So, and, and that's, yes. that is very visible in how you hold yourself. Um, how, you know, when you, when you talk to, when, when you interact with people, when you when I've interacted with you, it's just very obviously that you, obvious that you, um, you lead with your heart and you, you care. You know, you, you really want to see people successful. It's not about a, you know, walking through them. I see you walking through the meat. You're not like boasting your chest. Like, yes, I'm, I'm the most badass coach here. You're, you're walking around making sure everybody has what they need. And this, the damn meat is running smoothly. Right. Like, Are you, yeah. <laughs> and I've seen you do that a million huh. times. Um, you know, yeah, your, your meat. Meat direction on. Yeah. You know, you, you're, you're. <laughs> meet was one of my it was my first uh weightlifting meet oh, oh
1: i know the one at the yeah that was yeah, a good one. yeah it
0: was a good one um but i yeah so i i inter, or i was introduced to you uh via text message actually through Lori and um you know yeah, it, yeah. it was in like but instantaneous it yeah it was very very quick that i i knew that like you and i kind of clicked and there was one thing that started happening because I liked you on Facebook and then the Instagrams and all that is I recognized that you are an absolute wizard in the kitchen and I wouldn't, you know, we got to talk about it. It's max effort kitchen. Where oh, did you, yeah. where did you learn how to cook and where does that love come from?
1: Uh, so I, I always like to liken, I always like to relate the cooking and the development of the cooking skill back to recovery to, to a degree. So I don't know. My dad, my, my stepdad was a cook. So, and I had some army buddies, male army buddies that were cooks. Uh, and now we have to talk about how I need JJ too. Um, uh, so yeah, I had some friends from recovery who, uh, this guy Chad from Alabama, his friend, Jeffy Jones came to Portland and became a co- as one of the... I don't know where Jesse was working as a chef last, but one of the McCormick and Schmick's uh, chain okay. places. Okay. Jesse worked at... What um, was the place on Hawthorne? Uh, screen, screen Door? No, on down. it doesn't matter. Yeah, um, uh, A fancy place on Hawthorne that we used to go and he used to be able to pump us food at. <laughs> J.J. moved to town, met J.J. through him. Okay. <clears throat> uh, so I had Chef friends and uh, cook, cook, in, male cook influences in my life right. from an early age. I started putting like oh, I, I like cooking. I can. My, one of my friends who was a junkie also taught me how to make chicken cordon bleu. Nice. Um, I remember it like it would be a disaster. Like not, the food <laughs> not bad, but like the way like I didn't have any sense. The chaos. Living in chaos and trying to do things, it would come out okay. Right. But as I got clean and I, you know, uh, built a household with my wife and, you know, we kept things for a a long time instead of just losing them all the time. I was able to build a skill set. So it's like, if I talked about this on, uh, Travis's podcast a while back, uh, is that if you look, and I talk about it all the time like this, if you look at recovery in the center of it as a kernel of like, I'm clean, great now what right and your life builds around it so the skill set of cooking just kind of built around it as i got better skills the internet helps man like you can watch tv you can watch youtube and i've learned a lot of issues from that and then all of a sudden then you i don't know i think there's a little bit of innate um talented things like eyeballing stuff like yeah. but when you start to learn a recipe and you go oh yeah this is how i make tomato sauce mm-hmm. i don't know i spent a lot of years making decent food using jarred tomato sauce and then i realized like wait it's just really canned tomatoes and a couple things yeah. and then you start to put it, you start to put it together and make your own thing and then you're refining techniques like i don't know even this year on the weber yeah. learning how to indirect cook almost everything mm-hmm. and then finish on the grill so that it had almost all its color before it even went to the flame instead of burning things all the time,
0: <laughs> like juxtaple sausage. It's, like, a, it's a beautiful thing, right? So I it's, mean...
1: it's like a thing that just keeps growing and growing. Yeah. And I don't know, the, the pictures on my personal Insta, I don't have a ton of creative out influences or outputs anymore. So. Right. That's, like, one little thing. It's pretty easy to take good pictures with your iPhone. Yeah. Especially with the new macro. You just zoom it in. Everything looks really good when you zoom it in real close. Yeah, I
2: know, right? (laughs)
1: The macro lens is made for color. Yeah. Learning how to get good color on meat, that's just a thing that you do over... I don't
0: know. I'm fucking fifty, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have. It's weird because I look at you and I wouldn't pin you to be fifty, but uh, and the reason why I say that is because of the way you the way you move and what you do and how you you're working with people, you just you have this like youth at heart type uh, feel to you, and it's fun. Like your your meets like are fun. You know, anytime I've interacted with you, it's always been a really fun experience, and. um Nice thing
1: to say. Thanks.
0: Yeah. I mean, and there's a reason why I'm like uh, constantly, you know, I'm always bothering you just over a text or whatever. But like (laughs) I I, I feel that there's there's just, you know, people are put in your life for specific reasons and why those reasons are. I don't know if we'll ever find out, but you might as well harness it. So um, now. We had a conversation uh, just recently, uh, and we'll talk about this. And then I think I want to get into the WSO a little bit and talk about that. But we had a conversation recently about the Special Olympics, and oh yeah, uh, you know, as you know, my daughter's going uh, is going to be getting involved more. She got involved a couple weekends ago. It was a lot of fun, um, and just a really eye-opening experience and emotional experience on top of that. Uh, but Talk about your experience with Special Olympics because I'm I'm really pushing towards a lot of these directors of, of getting some teams invo- uh, set up. but
1: Yeah,
2: so um,
1: when I was in college at PSU, we had to do a, uh, what do they call it? Capstone. Yeah. A little project thing, a project class that you have to pay for. There were all kinds of dumb ones, and I didn't want to do any of them because it's like a, <laughs> Semester-long PowerPoint project with twelve people trying to do the least amount of work, (laughs) Uh, and you know a whole semester of it. And anyway, they came and they pitched this idea uh, in the early in my first year there, uh, beginning of the semester, of working with Camp Kiwanis, kids with special needs, and I had zero experience with it. I mean, zero in my life. So I was like, "Mm, no. And then the next year came around and they pitched it again. They're like, no dude, you get your camp, you get your capstone done in like two weeks. Uh, it's super fun. You're at camp. It's just like, you go hiking and rafting and horseback riding and all that. Swimming. And I'm like, Oh, that sounds kind of cool. They're like, Don't worry. It's not, you know, we don't care that you don't have experience. You'll love it. Yeah. And, uh, without getting too into it, um, I did love it. It was great. It was like a um, experience that I'd never had with right, right. Uh, with people with special needs. So, I was interested in continuing to do some work with them. And I got involved with the Special Olympic Powerlifting team that also got housed housed at CrossFit PE. Yep. Um, the old owner gave us that space for free, and we coached them just like once a week there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, it was fun. I feel yeah. like COVID killed that. I never really got to give all of myself to that because I've always been so busy. Right. I never got to do their, um, uh, end of the year meet. And then, like I said, I feel like COVID killed that too. Yeah. I know Duffin, um, out at Kabuki strengths had the Clackamas County guys training at his gym. Mm.
2: hmm I found out. Uh,
1: that. Yeah. But yeah, it was like each County had its own team. I can't remember what the guy's name was, who was the head coach. Uh, it's it's rewarding and challenging in lots of different ways, right? <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, you know, I, I think I told you or briefly hit on this with you when we talked. Of like, you know, I have I usually take one, maybe two athletes at a time for six week periods, and you know, I put them through a, a little training program, and it's all special needs based. Uh, and there was one. It, it started out with one kid that actually um, I put something in a school auction and just for it was like six weeks personal training and uh you know it was when i was at a crossfit gym and um so i was like yeah well let's get him in there his mom ended up buying it at the auction and he had you know he had uh, cerebral palsy and uh, and i looked at her and i said you know i don't have a ton of, of experience with this but i'm willing to learn and if yeah. you're willing to be patient with me. And she was like, yes, let's do this. Um,
1: that's how I, I train kids at first. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Lots, lots of patience. Um, and so I, you know, I approached it very methodically. I approached it with very little speed as far as like, let's just move through this. Let's take the day for what it is and find the win. And that was always mm-hmm. like kind of my goal. Let's find the one win a day. And yeah, but. move forward. And, and I've, I've found that it's been pretty um, rewarding for both sides of the story here. Uh, and so, you know, I mean, like I said, I'm pushing uh, Washington County, because that's the county we're in, um, to keep me informed, keep me a part of it. I want to be invested. And, uh, you know, I'm, I built my garage, gym, I have squat rack. I'm about to put another platform in here. So I have two platforms. And it's just like I'm. I'm just gonna see if I can do it out of my gym, and and I don't know. Maybe I can't. I don't know. There's probably some sort of. Bond. I'd be worried.
1: Yeah. I'd be worried about. Yeah. I'd be worried about. Uh your insurance agent won't like it
0: <laughs> yeah yeah so uh, there's a lot to work out <laughs> through that aspect of it but if not you know maybe i can get out there and find a gym but i just want to be a part of it and yeah buddy. You know, and and you know you said you, you I, I'm, I'm gonna pick your brain is basically where i'm going with this <laughs> so you know you're gonna be getting getting some questions from me so i think it's really yeah. neat um but yeah what
1: were you gonna say oh I, anytime
0: Anna. yeah that's cool um okay so man Huge, uh, huge event just happened for you. WSO, the probably, I think I read, uh, that it was the biggest, uh, meet in Oregon history. I can't, I mean, I can't,
1: it was 250 people. I can't imagine when they would have done one. And it's the biggest one since I've been involved in sports. Totally. I can't imagine when they would have done one. And I mean, in the, you know, so, I mean, there were good, the the good old days, like the Calvin team, when they would come down and, like, um, you know, uh, camp here yeah. back yeah. in the in the day mm-hmm. but I don't think they would have done 250. So no, that's a big one. That's my suspicion.
0: Well, you know, you guys uh, yeah. so so coming out of that meet, you know, going in, I you know, I talked to you a bunch going in and, and the aspirations and I think you we had you on the PFRS podcast so I I kind of knew your direction going into it. Uh but now coming out of it, you know, what what are some things that uh you know, maybe Uh, you would do differently next time? Or what are some wins that you had?
1: Uh, I'd rather just talk about what I'm happy with. Okay, cool. Well, let's go with that then. I mean, uh, mean, it came off exactly as we, I wanted it. I foresaw it to be a uh, national level meat experience. uh, And I think it came off as that, came off really high quality, Good platforms, really good equipment, consistent backroom, thanks to PR Lifting, who, you know, I called them at the very last minute to see if they could help fill out the backroom. The way I had it originally planned, my club would have done it. And it would have been nice, good equipment, but it would have been pretty inconsistent and looked kind of more like a local meet, which is fine. It's cool. I mean, it's hard to get consistent equipment without a sponsor like that. So PR Lifting stepped up. I helped them sell it all off. So we had a consistent back room. Also, I uh, my team uh, put the. I had a few guys who had PR lifting plates, so we got to make that back room consistent. That was a goal. Nice. Vulcan Weightlifting stepped up and gave us a really good deal. Helped us with those warm up platforms to have ten consistent, same warm up platforms, just like you'd have at a national meet. Yep. We built those two uh, uh, thick, three layer competition platforms. Yep one of the guy who gave me that t-shirt is this fellow that I've been training for a while. So a 60 year old guy. Um, oh yeah. He's a, he's an awesome dude. He must be a multimillionaire. He owns uh, a house in uh, Northwest Portland okay. or not a house. He owns lots of houses. <laughs> <laughs> he owns an apartment building and a factory in Northwest Portland. Okay. He bought me, he bought me the t- bottom layers of the wood. He was going to give me some uh, crappy layers from his uh, garage. He tore down. Yeah like no but he bought it for me he bought That's me 30 awesome. something sheets of plywood Heck yeah. uh we had awesome caterers uh, again from the um cooking community um my connections to their uh stabs barbecue is my friend Elon, who yeah who um he had that as, he ran that as a pop-up on um what you call it on a foster all through the pandemic where he melded uh Texas style beef brisket barbecue and smoked barbecue done in a bon me sandwich, mm-hmm. and then you also had this amazing smoked bone broth, bone broth, pho with smoked brisket and real yeah, Ooh. it was insane. That's awesome. That sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then his buddy, his buddy. Um, oh man, it's gone from my head. Was, it, it like was food.
0: Lebanese food, wasn't it? The next no, week. the Port, Puerto
1: Rican guy. Oh, Puerto Rican. Uh, Puerto Rican. Why is it gone? Oh, I'm
0: so I feel so bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you remember, I'll give them credit, in, in, uh when we, when we plug the show, so. Oh man, it's so dumb. <laughs> dumb. It'll come to you. <laughs> they always do. I'm, I'm live. I can't help it. Yeah, I know, right, <laughs> Roberto.
1: Roberto and WIPA, his his Puerto Rican food on uh, Sunday was awesome. Nice. So the WSO's goal of using BIPOC, uh, as many BIPOC vendors as we could. Mm-hmm. I think the medals came off real nice. Uh, the schedule and the meet ran really good. I mean, we're a little behind on day one with the first youth men session but the other platform ran on time all day and because the sessions were real small by the end of the day we still ended on time nice i mean that stuff felt really good the the step up help from my friend jenny schumacher uh in uh, utah and eric winter two uh international level tos that i've made friends with who flew out to help us out on that meet i mean they worked every. jenny was there from uh Friday night happened was set up till the end of the day on Sunday. Worked every single session.
2: Wow.
1: Every, like every single session, Eric winter flew in on Saturday at noon, uh, like made those travel plans like a week before flew in at Saturday at noon and worked every single session until it was done. Wow. Uh,
0: isn't that incredible how, how a community comes together like that? Yeah. If there's no question, yes, I'll be there. There's
1: no way. I mean, I, you know, I'm the meet director, so I get a lot of credit, but there's no way I could have done it without this huge team of people that were behind me. Um, yeah, I mean, Mira did this. I wanted it to look like the Texas state meet, right? So right. Bobby Circus in Texas put on this Texas meet. That's how I got the idea to do credentials. That's how I mean, it's done in a hotel. I was like, that's
0: what we should do. Yep.
1: And, uh, like, when I showed Circus the uh, event page that Mira made, he's like, Dude, that is amazing.
0: So, like, any
2: comment
1: I got from those guys felt like a pat on the back. Like, So, yeah, it's just a huge amount of volunteers to make it happen.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, Well, I can say it came off exactly how I wanted. Yeah. I mean, I want to do different next time. Not works. I mean, I (laughs) worked.
0: I can (laughs) only imagine.
1: 15 hour days, Saturday, Sunday, both days. I was there at Five thirty in the morning, and I didn't leave till after eight thirty at night. Yeah, yeah, that's.
0: I mean, that that's and Sunday and Sunday
1: was also breaking down and moving stuff, right. running my foot over with one of those carts. Oh shit! It was. I mean, it was the most backbreaking, grueling thing I've ever done, and you know, it was still pretty fun. Yeah, I mean,
0: I mean, you can come out of it and you can say that was a success and that was fun, and you're going to do it again. So, like. You know, I would, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to oh. guess you're going to do it again. Uh, it's, oh. It seems like it's a pretty permanent thing. It, well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's going
1: to, it's going to be a thing that happens continuing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's cool. And then, um, you know, as far as athletes go, you know, you, so you're saying you had 250 athletes competing in, in those two days yeah oh man! All I know is I was the chump that that waited until <laughs> until I shouldn't have waited and I didn't get in because you guys sold out so quickly and that I mean that just tells you what one thing that tells me one thing that there was a demand for what we were what, what you yeah. were doing, and this community well, we needed it
1: yeah, we knew that going in the way i mean we sold more tickets for that to Americans than. The Americans sold for AO2 in Canada, right? Wow. They ended up being about 250 lifters in Canada. Yeah. About 100 and, I think it was, yeah, 175 or so Americans. Uh, and, but in, um at the Arnold, at Canela's meet, he had 1,800 people. So, Gee. you know, we know that, that that there's a demand for that kind of upper level travel regional meet. We yeah. made it. We made it an open meet so that we could get more people. Yeah. I mean one of the WSO's goals is to increase membership and increase and you know, retain members. And so we got I know I mean I personally talked to people that like got through emails like, No, oh, you should do I'm all eligible. Well, no, you should do it anyway. Hmm. You can you know. Yeah, you can buy it for a month, or you can do this, or whatever. So, like getting people to come back in, or getting new people to sign up, is, is the ultimate goal of like getting more members. It's good for coaches, it's good for the community, it's good for everything. Well, yeah, so we did that. We did that. That's another, you know, that's another win in our win column of why that meet was great and yeah. why it was why we should keep doing it. So having it be open, having it be a thing where everybody, um, Michael Conroy used to be the coaching education director
0: okay
1: um he thought in this in one of the facebook posts he said the pnw should be uh proud for having pulled off something to the effect of this proof of concept this makes local lifters want to become national lifters which is kind of what the ao does right series. Oh, absolutely East. yeah you go to that you see it and you're like oh my god man this is so fun look there's cj cummings over there there's you know here. Like I'm using the warm-up platform, and next to my, you know, J session 81A or whatever, like, right? Exactly. Or 81 81J session. <laughs> like, that's so cool. Look at that. Like uh, this is what it's like, and and having all that nice rope equipment, and everyone has their own platform, and no one has to share change clips. and like, yeah, that's that's the experience that I wanted people to come off with, and then want to go up the up the rankings or up the levels to it
0: well i think you so saw that, a lot of success within athletes um at the meet like there i mean it, i was i mean i was helping co- i was help coaching and i it was just as intense on my side as it was being an athlete cuz i've been now i've been both sides and i'm like the i mean the feel of uh, everybody in like in that close knit area of like when somebody succeeded Like everybody was behind him, and that there's something about that that was really, um, it was intense. I walked out of that thing exhausted. I can't even imagine what you walked out of it as (laughs) like, and I was only there for maybe four hours. (laughs) I feel about ninety five percent recovered from it. That's cool. That's cool. Now I think uh, I think you should be Uh, super proud. Sleep's still not right. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I would imagine the sleep got messed up. Uh, what before that too? Just stressing on on the day mm-hmm. the day of stuff. Um, no, like I was saying, you should be super proud. I mean, I'm just one lonely little guy here, but I, I've, like I said, inspired. You're you're an inspiring individual, and uh, to see the impact that you have on uh, your lifters. Because I mean, I come out on Saturdays, and there's it's just it's that a community feel that is just very uh oh man it's unmatched it really is and being yeah, on that, an internet team, on team i miss it What's that's that?
1: on that like they i can only i can only do so much to you know foster that yeah but they those girls and like you know my team captains and assistant coaches, like those girls bring the fire to it too. Like yeah, Kim's like, Kim's the ultimate cheerleader. And like, I don't know, I called her the glue that keeps the team together to kind of make things happen the way I don't know. I have some remote lifters that they barely even know um, just from my little team chat. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hannah had a bad day. She, you know, she had a great snatch day and then her back tightened up and couldn't Finisher snatches, and I'm running around back and forth. And Jason, uh, one of my assistant coaches, is handling her. He's like, "Girl, you got to come over." And these girls are already over there consoling her and gibbering her hugs and like, yeah. I don't know, you, you, I, you can. I, I didn't it, teach them. I, I <laughs> want to be like, ah, you can teach that, but you can't make you can't. it happen. No. I didn't teach them that shit. They're just that's how empathetic they are.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, well, how, I, mean how, I felt it right away. I'm just lucky. Yeah, no, I felt it right away. And then, like, you know, I mean, you had me out that one Saturday out to the garage, and I'm like, these people are amazing. They just, oh, they yeah. just accepted a perfect stranger <laughs> into their garage. And, um, you know, not only that, by the end of I mean, I've told you this many times. Every time I lift with you, I PR. I mean, I PR'd, and they're, like, cheering for me. and I'm, like, looking around, like, man, this is, this is pretty freaking cool. Um, so, yeah, I know you can't teach it, but... You are the head of what happens there, and, you know, that stuff bleeds down. So take a little bit of credit there, my friend. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, uh, that that whole aspect of your barbell club has really been pretty cool. Um, you know, if, if there's one thing I've noticed about you, Joe, it's that when you – and I've noticed this strictly with weightlifting because this is where I've seen it. You're not just a coach. You're an instructor. You, you go and you um, – you coach people. You help. You find loaders at, at these national events. You're judging at these national events. I'm, a, I'm not taking credit for that. I don't find loaders. Well, I mean, I see your team loading. That's why I'm saying that. I'm <laughs> oh, like, yeah. I see I'm your not. athletes out there like loading and like taking um, after you. You know? Uh,
2: yeah.
1: I will. I will take credit for that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I do. No, I do believe. I do. Uh, being a TO and being a volunteer and having that, that if there is one piece of work ethic or like team ethic that I've tried to instill, it is that, like, look, man, all those meets run on volunteers. Yeah. The TO, the T. O. technical officials were basically volunteers. Right. Um, we get, like, as a cat too, I get 15 bucks a session. A session. Sessions are two hours, maybe more.
2: Right.
1: Uh, maybe less. Uh, and, nationals get 10 and locals get five. So that's not, I mean, you're a volunteer. Yeah. Um, they feed you kind of, I don't know, I'm pretty sure my food was the best that have gotten <laughs> fed to CEOs in America in a long time. Solid. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's been good food that we've had at, at Meats, but it's mostly like catered food from the hotel or right. you know, some good, we've had some decent um, catered in sandwiches and stuff. But at any rate, so you're basically doing it as a volunteer. And when you look at the technical official crew, you can see that they're, you know, aging fellows yes. and ladies for yes. the most part. Yeah, people that were, you know, super involved and like don't have it. Like some of those guys, you're like, oh, look at that old timer. Right. Oh, he was a fucking Olympian and stuff. So
0: <laughs> exactly. You know,
1: and like when you're like, hey, you can't say shit. You're old aunt, like, mm, I was in the Olympics, bro. So uh, <laughs> yeah. when you get three reps, just take your lumps and turn around.
2: Right. But, exactly.
1: So I started going to national meets and I'd have like one lifter or two lifters to go to an AO series. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you can either go there and walk around the meet and like sit in the stands or, yeah. you know, sit in your hotel room or you can get involved. Right. And when you're involved, dude, that's how I became, you know, I made contacts. That's how I got people like Eric winter to come out and be like, yeah, cause the way you are at meets, you're always there.
2: Right.
1: Uh, um, and it made me a better coach watching, I mean, I can name them all the, all, my, all my mentors' names, watching people like you know, Kevin Simons, people like Kevin um, Doherty, and, yep. oh, you know, Sean Waxman, all these guys in the back room and how they made changes and how they ran cards in the A session and how they, you know, left the auto on so that they could burn clocks. And, like, you learn that by being there. And right. when you're sitting in the speaker's chair, you have this awesome coach's view, and you can hear what, you know, Leo Totten says to a lifter when he's sitting in the chute and his lifter just missed, and he's going on his third attempt, and he has to take it. Like, what's he saying? What's the oh, cue he did? Like, it. That's why it, it's so rewarding. But, again, it has to be done. So I, I really kind of put my foot in their ass and say, like, hey, when we go to national meets, you're doing something. The kids, even when we went to the A.O. Series, you can't make them really do it. Yeah. Before they compete, so you know. But even, yeah, King will always kind of competes at the end of the weekend. Still, still, we get in the chairs and do it. Uh, I don't make them load until they're done. <laughs> but like, and I'm you know, will people get roped the looting? But I will also. <laughs>
0: wow, we were Lo- loading. We were in Calgary,
1: we were in Calgary and somebody asked one of my lifters hello, and I was like shaking my head, like, "No, you will not.
0: <laughs> no, <laughs> but, no, you're not doing uh, that." Nope. Coach says no. Yeah, no, nope. you know, it's, you it's just very obvious to see it, and um, I, it was one of the first things that when I did see you at a national meet, um, I noticed, and I noticed it right away, and I think what it does is it, like you said, it speaks to a work ethic, but um, that work ethic that we have to have on the platform uh, versus outside of the platform, it should be seamless in my opinion. Right. So that just enhance, it just bleeds through. You're going to a meet, you're going to lift, you're going to compete after you're done competing, you're going to load, or you're going to help, you know, you're going to be a part of it. That was one thing at masters nationals that I really tried to get involved. Um, because I wanted like the day before I was lifting, I was loading for all my teammates or loading for other other people's teammates and like just trying to help in the back room and you're so right. I saw so much my mind was opened to a whole different community coming out of that meet because I was like, oh, there's so much more in this world. Like mm-hmm. it, it's just it, it kind of it really blew my mind and on top of that, I had a, you know, a a fairly successful meet and I had so much fun and it just hooked. It's like hook line sinker, dude. Like yes. <laughs> done. You, sure. don't, you don't need anything else. It was, it was really neat. I mean, I was,
1: yeah. I, I seem to have found a way to keep going to these meets and not go broke. Yeah. And I'm often fond of saying in the back room at national meets, there's like no place else. I'd rather be than here at the back room of the national meet, whether yeah. it, even like not, I, when you're trying to win a master's national record, uh, uh Championship, yeah. The feeling in my heart's the same. Yep. In in my heart of hearts, it feels exactly the same as when you're trying to win uh, a medal at a senior national meet. Yep. Same thing. Uh, th- perfectly said.
0: I mean, uh,
1: so it, there's no place out. It's just so exciting, uh, except
0: a beach on Thailand, which <laughs> is what I'm doing. Yeah, you're you're on your way to Thailand here soon, right?
1: Yeah, like Saturday for a month.
0: Uh. Well, much deserved, and I think that's a good place for us to uh to stop it because I could literally talk to you all day. I think I crossed four things off my list, and I got two pages of stuff here so um, uh, I, I-, I want to get you back on. Um, I think there's a lot more to discuss, but man, uh, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for uh just you know being open to this, being open to being on the podcast and talking and op- and opening up your heart and your life and and everything you told us because you know not many people are, are uh, willing to do that and I, I am so thankful uh, that Lori connected us and so oh, yeah, thank man. you for everything thank you
1: do alright, you're welcome buddy alright,
0: well we're going to get out of here and uh, I hope everybody has a great day and remember food is love and we'll see you next time